I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My guest today's name is Cam Allen, and she is a postmenopausal fitness expert who's going to tell us how to maintain our muscle mass and boost our metabolism so that we can maintain our strength and stay active and not turn into brittle old women and how to do all of that without spending hours in the gym. Hell, you don't even have to go to the gym. By the end of this episode, you're going to know exactly how to get started without any more excuses. You know, most of us make the mistake of thinking that we have to go back to the intense workouts that we used to do. And then we struggle to stick with our routine. And we think that means that we've just lost our motivation and that being out of shape is just somehow part of being old. You know, you may not know this about me, but I used to be a personal trainer and a fitness instructor. I mean, it's not bragging if it's true, right? I taught kickboxing, step aerobics, boot camp, all of it, even when I was pregnant. Like for my third child right before she was born, Anna, I literally taught class the day before she was born, and I was back teaching class within three weeks, leaky boobs and all. I would not give myself a break. Quite honestly, I was afraid that if I sat down, I would never get back up again. And that is how I ran my life and my nervous system for about 25 years. But it wasn't all bad. You know, working out was my sanity. And I spent hours in the gym every week. I also ran a lot of marathons. So routinely, I was putting in 20 to 30 miles per week. And I would love to tell you that I enjoyed all of that, that I just am naturally designed to be really active and work out really hard. And the truth is, I did enjoy some of it. I really liked being strong and fit, and I liked knowing that I could keep up, or hell, I liked knowing I could uh, leave everybody in the dust. That was part of my identity. That was part of my self-confidence, whatever. And it worked for me. But I also did a lot of that because I had a lot of fear that I wasn't enough. I also felt like I had something to prove, especially when it came to drinking. You know, running and working out was my way of balancing the scales. And the more I drank, the harder I trained. I really thought of health as a simple math problem. I knew I drank more than I should, and so I thought I could make up for that lack of control with alcohol by controlling what I ate and how much I worked out. You know, calories in, calories out, right? And I'm not going to totally smash on myself. You know, it wasn't all bad and unhealthy. And in truth, my strict plant-based diet and religious exercise routine probably did protect me in a lot of ways. But in hindsight, the gift we all get with age, I can also see how hard I was on my poor body. Like, I didn't give myself any breaks. You know, 
if I found myself with a hangover now, which I don't intend to, but I'm just saying, if I woke up with a hangover now, I would be so much kinder to myself. Like alcohol is so inflammatory. And I would force myself to go run 10 miles if I was hungover. And I now know that letting our bodies heal, whether from sickness or stupidity, isn't the ultimate act of self-care. I would never do that to myself now. I'm in a much better relationship with my body, but I didn't get here overnight. You know, when I quit drinking, my motivation to continue with all the working out actually crashed and burned. It was super weird that I had taken this awesome action step to, you know, put down the alcohol and I woke up being the lazy ass slug that I had spent years trying to prove that I wasn't. It was super confusing how once I finally quit drinking and actually felt great when I woke up, I suddenly couldn't get myself to do much more than go walk my dog. Like, what the hell? It was like all my strength was just gone. And I remember thinking that It had been easier to work out when I actually had a hangover. And now I understand why that is. Because our motivation, which is the dopamine in our brain, is actually tied to our self-narrative. I had trained my brain to pursue fitness as a way to both work off last night's bar bill and then also earn my drink tickets for later in the day. And when I removed alcohol from the equation it disconnected my motivation. And that's something they don't tell you on the sobriety commercials. You know, we see people flipping their luscious hair and their rejuvenated skin and telling you that they feel so young and vigorous. Well, the truth is, if you've been a drinker for a long time, a lot of your motivation to do anything is somehow tied to alcohol. And it takes time to rebuild that. You know, I had to rebuild my motivation to be active and strong and work out kind of like one bicep curl at a time. It was not easy. And that's actually a huge part of what I teach in the next chapter. This process is called self-directed neuroplasticity. You can literally decide what you want to feel motivated to do, you know, get your brain to respond with dopamine, and then use specific strategies to hardwire that trigger, that motivation in your brain so that it's self-sustaining. And it's a super simple process once you understand how to do it. Some of it is intuitive. You know, in hindsight, I knew I had been motivated to work out specifically for the wrong reasons. It wasn't just alcohol. You know, it was bigger than that. I wanted to be thin and pretty and win for best ass and smallest jeans. And those reasons are not the reasons you work out after you turn 50, because there's no competition. And if there is, you ain't gonna win, you know, and I had to find a new source of motivation. It's interesting because I quit drinking at 46. And that is about the time where I probably would have faced all this anyway, even if I hadn't had to go through recovery and heal myself from alcohol use disorder. I was already in the end stages of perimenopause and having been on 
hormones and things, which Cam and I talk about in the episode today, but, you know, I then went into menopause. And so it wasn't just quitting alcohol. It was a whole bunch of biological shifts that I had to learn how to negotiate. So I had to learn to find a new source of inspiration. And in early recovery, if you've ever quit drinking, you know that you're in a severe dopamine deficit. That's to be expected when you break an addiction. But if you don't know how to self-direct your motivation, it's a long and slow process. Like it took me about 18 months to feel like I was firing on all cylinders again, where I actually felt like I had both the energy and the desire to work out. And so I started working out again finally because I was looking at myself like my muscles were atrophying right before my eyes. And even though I was sober and sexy, I still felt sluggish and weak and old. Like the first few months of not drinking feel so good. That's why they call them the pink bubble, right? But by the year mark of being sober for over a year, I felt like I was actually older, like it was super weird. So the motivation to work out had to shift and it did. Finally, as my dopamine started to come back online, brain chemistry was recalibrated, I was doing all the right things. I realized that the reason I wanted to work out was because my range of motion was gone. You know, I'd turn and look over my shoulder and throw my back out, or I'd wake up in the morning and have hurt myself when I sleep. I think that's a sign of age. Like you wake up and somebody's like, how did you hurt yourself? And you're like, sleep? Like, is that a thing? I don't know. I used to have a lot cooler stories about my injuries. But bottom line, I just wanted more energy. I wanted the wrinkles on my biceps to go away. I wanted to feel like I could pull my own body weight up in the event of an emergency. So that began to fuel my motivation. But having the energy and the motivation, still, I was lacking one thing. And that was better and updated information about how to work out. The problem I encountered was I was using the same strategies that I had been using in my 20s and 30s, which means I was really focused on the cardio. Like I, I thought running was working out, like one in the same, right? If I did a couple push-ups, that was a bonus just to show off. I thought that working out was cardio. And I still thought that that was the way, cardio was the way that I would be maintaining my weight and maintaining my function and maintaining my strength. And so when I would do weights, I would way overdo it. I was using the same workouts I had used, again, like when I was in my 30s. So even though the motivation was there and the energy was there, when I would work out, I would end up so sore and depleted after a workout that I wouldn't go back for a week or two because like I literally couldn't sit down on the toilet or it hurt to comb my hair. Like some pain is good, right? It makes you feel like you're gently used, but I would have such excruciating pain and inflammation after my workouts that I just really had trouble staying consistent because it was like I would blow, blow my circuits out. I don't know. And that's exactly why I invited today's guest on the show, Cam Allen, because she is a fitness expert who works with women who are going through menopause. She's gone through it herself. She's over 50, but she's here to shed light on the reason why most of us struggle to work out on a regular basis and how understanding what our bodies really need is the best way to boost our metabolism, increase our muscle mass, and maintain our motivation 
to stay in good shape. And you're going to be shocked with what she's saying you need to do because it's not what you think. So enjoy the episode. Well, thank you so much, Cam, for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you because I've been following you on Instagram and I have been struggling myself getting back into weight training. I've listened to your podcast and I definitely identify as a cardio junkie. And my (laughs) mindset is I need to run and bike and swim. And now that I'm 50, my strength is just going so fast and I'm really struggling with motivation. So I'm excited to have you share about menopause and exercise. Can you just introduce yourself and tell my audience who you are and what you do? Yes. Hi, I'm Cam Allen and I'm a recovering, not alcoholic, (laughs) exerciser, over-exerciser. Throughout my 40s, I was a CrossFitter coach and athlete and I was also I'm sorry, Colleen, the dogs are barking. What do you want me to do? Nothing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't. (laughs) Someone's probably knocking on the door. Yeah. And so what happened for me, I was using exercise to escape or be in my body versus in my mind through this like really transitional time. I'd left the classroom after 18 years. My first marriage was in the toilet and I was trying to decide marriage counseling, all the things that you decide to do if you're going to stay or are you going to leave. And exercise was, I would say, my escape to be in my body versus in my mind. So that went on through my 40s. And I would say in my late 40s, what happened was I started noticing slower recovery. I started losing my hair. My skin was dry. I was gaining weight, even though I was exercising more than ever. And that was like my first like medical diagnosis. And I was hypothyroidism, which I was very typical <laughs> symptoms. And I did not understand at that time that over-exercising or exercising beyond your capabilities at the time could actually like be bad for you. Like I never dreamed that exercise could be harmful at all. Yeah. So you said that you were using exercise to escape your mind and Mm -hmm. be in your body. And what confuses me is one of the things I try to do with nervous system regulation and mindset tools, of course, is because our problem is in our mind. So Tell me why using exercise to escape the mind when we're taught <laughs> that the let get out of your head, move in your body, somatic work, exercise is also healthy. Can you describe the difference between healthy being in your body and truly it's not healthy? Yeah. So I had these tapes in my head that were repeating on and on and I would get stuck in the minutiae of the dirt of my first marriage. And that wasn't healthy for me at all. In fact, like I said, I left the classroom after 18 years. I was like, I need to dial in, figure out my family, school teaching. Nah, we, can't, we, we need to pass on that. This is more important. And so I think it was repeating the tapes over and over. And I had never lifted weights until I was 41. And I was like, this is amazing. I feel confident. Like when you had no confidence, the being in the body part brought a lot of confidence. And so that's how I would describe it. And I totally agree with you. And I was going through therapy later on in my journey and learning how to manage your thoughts and regulate your central nervous system is part of it. But that was my entry into strength training was like, I can't keep listening to all these thoughts in my head. (laughs) So it sounds like when I talk about self-care, you know, watching Netflix for me, it's total (laughs) self-care. I watch until I cross over the two hour mark. Uh Or, you know, too much of anything 
it, everything's a double-edged sword. So it sounds like you were using exercise to escape and then it became a problem or it became self-defeating? I think it became my life. Like I left the classroom and then I was coaching, I was managing the gym, I was doing all the things. And I didn't realize the burden on my body as I moved through my 40s into my late 40s. It was too much of my like burden on my body, maybe too much stress, we could say. I was probably oh. running on cortisol and caffeine. <laughs> and at some point, your body's, hello, lady, you need to pay attention and take better care of you. I was eating healthy, but I was probably like in hindsight, not eating enough calories to support my activity. Uh, my sleep was in the trash at the time. So all the things that matter, all those lifestyle changes that also support your body as you move through midlife. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me then about when did you realize that this healthy living, and I have been the same way, you mm -hmm. know, I was a personal trainer and a yoga teacher and a marathon runner trying to outrun what for me was Drinking was definitely a symptom of all of that, but yeah, I was letting my mind beat the horse. I was constantly like, if I just work out harder and if I just be perfect and be skinny and do all the things that then somehow I'm going to be happy. And I was running from my own self. So I definitely in the past have used exercise also and healthy eating to be very unhealthy about all of it. So talk to me then about what you realized. It sounds like you were overdoing strength training. It was CrossFit. And so it's a, yeah, CrossFit's oh. a, it's a little different beast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I did that for a little bit and my forearms swelled up, like <laughs> kettlebells and all of that. Like I was like, I feel like this is hurting me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So long. mine was, that's what it was. And so I'm very grateful of learning how to move my body through time, space, and gravity and how to lift weights. There were so many beautiful lessons during my CrossFit days throughout my 40s. <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. But now the way exercise looks like, it's not CrossFit. It's based, it's strength-based. <laughs> so it's different, but it's the well, same. <laughs> I feel like at 50, I now... I'm trading back exercises and I'm doing step ups uh -huh. and I look for exercises that are functional. Mm -hmm. I used to be all about the booty butt <laughs> and the six packed abs and my personal record on running. And now I'm like, no, I just don't want to hurt myself. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Really strength training is like an avenue to better health as we age. Like it is muscle is an organ of longevity. And so the more muscle you have, the better your midlife experience is going to be. And if you were to fall, for example, you're going to just bounce right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to out myself here. Uh -huh. um, when I quit drinking, I really made a point. I understood that I was not motivated properly. I was motivated to exercise because I wanted to be skinny. Also because I wanted to prove I didn't have a drinking problem and teaching hot power yoga at 8 a.m. every morning, for sure you don't have a drinking problem there. <laughs> And so when I quit drinking, I went into kind of a, a free fall with my motivation. I now understand motivation is dopamine and mm -hmm. I was in a dopamine deficit, but I spent the first year of my recovery, not really exercising at all because I was no longer motivated to prove myself. I was no longer motivated to be perfect or whatever. And that switching of the relationship with myself where I want to do things that feel good that has been a real turnover for me. And so I want to out myself. 
I have not been strength training. And the reason I'm motivated to strength train is because I do realize it's every single day I get up and I've lost 25% of my muscle mass. (laughs) It was so easy to maintain. I never had to do weights Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. I just did, did yoga and I ran or biked or swim or whatever. And so can you talk about why you're going to have to can you enroll me? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. Training because like even this morning, knowing I was going to talk to you today yeah. and knowing I have not created a new habit yet for myself, my goal right now is to go down because I have a little gym in my house. It's not to go to the Y and sign up for all the classes. Like I'm not there yet, but I know I need to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. And so I just go down into my weight room for 10 to 15 minutes a day. And yesterday I did some bench press and I did some bicep curls and Mm -hmm. I just make myself stay long enough to do something. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, if I do some strength training every day, even if it's 10 minutes at a time, at least I'm going to move the needle. Can you talk about, is that a reasonable strategy? And then how I might do more. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you make me do more, please? Uh, Here's some of the science. So we, at around 30, we had our peak bone density and our peak muscle mass. And that's a little sad. Like I didn't start strength training until I was 41. So in the 30s, that's when it was at its peak. And as we age, we lose uh, more muscle mass every decade. (laughs) And so during this menopause, this is like this beautiful time period where our body is literally rewiring. We're losing our estrogen. We're losing our progesterone. We are chemically different on the inside. And when we're transitioning into menopause, this is the time like where we lose even more muscle mass. And so if that is enough to like, oh, I need to do this for myself, like it's for your health. Strength training, their health benefits would include more muscle mass, so strength and confidence and all those things that are amazing, but also bone density. That's also a benefit from strength training. But here's another one that you might not realize it's actually blood sugar control. So the more muscle you have on your body, think of it as like sugar suitcases. <laughs> so when we eat food, our food turns into sugar, glucose. And the, one of the ways that we can store it is by walking after dinner. And by walking after dinner, our muscles soak up that blood sugar and it helps lower our overall blood sugar. There's a lot of reasons why to strength train. Those are some of the health benefits. There's brain benefits as well. As far as creating a habit, I strength train twice a week for about 30 minutes. So it's not like time consuming. It's not signing up for all the classes at the Y. Okay. So wait a minute. You strength train for 30 minutes twice a week. So we're talking about a one hour investment Mm -hmm. in not being a brittle old lady. Exactly. And that's it. You're investing in your today's body, but you're also investing in your future health. And that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a really big deal. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what type of strength training do you do? In the past, I've CrossFit. That's what comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Or lifting really heavy weights. What does your strength training program look like? I, so Especially I, for somebody who's not actively strength training. Like, How do we get how do, what do we do? Totally. I totally understand that. And so for heavy for you is one of the things that I love instead of the number on the CrossFit board, you have to lift this amount of weight. I don't know if you remember those days. So I really teach you how to lift heavy for you for today. Then today's heavy might be different than yesterday's heavy. So it just depends on how you feel. And I train women that the last few reps of each set should be challenging 
We want to challenge our muscles enough so that during our recovery, the days off of the gym, our muscles actually grow and repair and get stronger. And that's our goal and tension. And so challenging our muscles within the gym. So the last few reps are challenging is a simple way. The other thing I like, save time, (laughs) it's your whole body. So there's seven movement patterns and that's like my job when I'm programming to make sure that I'm including all the different movement patterns and that you're challenging your whole body. For example, this morning, today was my strength day. And so I did a deadlift movement. I did a strict press movement with my shoulders. I did a core thing. My entire body, I worked my entire body today, four to six rounds, eight to 12 reps, And each time I finished, I was like at 9, 10, 11, 12. Those reps were challenging. So I know I was using a heavy enough weight for today. So that gives you permission. (laughs) So like I said, I was a personal trainer. So Mm -hmm. I have some background. But here's what I do. And I want you to tell me what you think about that. I lift heavy for myself Mm -hmm. and I just take it to fatigue. So if I am not feeling well or super tired and I'm doing dumbbells or bicep curls, I might pick up a 15 pound and I might be able to get 15. And then if that was too easy or I don't want to do 800 because I'm still going, (laughs) then I'll pick up the 20 pound and then I'll do eight or something. So I really don't think about it at all all. Mm -hmm. I just take whatever I'm doing to fatigue. And some days I get there really quick. So is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you're at home and you don't have multiple weights, my suggestion is just to move slower. If you're keeping your muscles under tension or on for longer, then you can still get that stimulus with a lighter weight. I tend to program like 8 to 15, 8 to 12. That's a really good rep range for your muscles and your bones. And one of the things that I didn't tell you about when I tried to return to CrossFit, I had a hysterectomy when I turned 50. <laughs> and so I went into surgical menopause, was, which was a shocking event, let me tell you, when you lose all of your sex hormones that protect you and help you be strong and capable, and then they're gone. It's a whole nother story. When I did try to return to the gym, if I went too far, I would be exhausted for days. I would be on the couch and exhausted. And so the thing about it is it's okay to rest if you need to, like within a workout, like you have permission to rest if you need to. And I love what you said about doing the weight that feels right for you. Mm -hmm. So talk Neither one of us are doctors, nope. and I want to preface that. But when you, I'm interested in hormones. Did you do any hormone replacement therapy? Because the studies show that there's a window of time for women, and I got to be honest, I feel really good, and yet I also don't want to miss the window in terms of hormone replacement. Do mm-hmm. you know or have any experience with hormone replacement, and does weight training maybe uh, alleviate the need for some of that? Are you using hormones, if you don't mind me asking? I So the first six months after my hysterectomy, I had a super young doctor and I gave my entire authority over to this person that I didn't even really know. So in retrospect, I don't think I would have chosen a hysterectomy today with what I know today, but I did. So Anyway, I started on oral estrogen. That's what she gave me. And I remember asking her, don't I need progesterone too? And she said, no, you don't have a uterus. Progesterone's only for your uterus if you're having babies. And I was like, 
this sounds so wrong to me. <laughs> so the first six months were absolutely horrible, Colleen. And so I had my test, my hormones tested using a dried urine test. And I found a functional medicine doctor in my area. And I do use bioidentical hormones today because I had horrible symptoms. And so if you're symptom free, there are huge health benefits from using bioidentical hormones. That is true. There is a window of time. And are you in menopause? Are you positive that you're in menopause? That's the other thing. <laughs> For me, early in recovery, I did go see an integrative hormone technologist, and he put me on bioidentical hormones. And I did it for four or five months, and it stopped my period. And then I wasn't experiencing, I didn't really know why I was taking them, and they were expensive to go get and stay yeah. on. And because I didn't notice a difference so my mind was telling me, I want to be supple at 80, but <laughs> my experience in the moment was, I don't know why I'm taking these. And so uh -huh. I went off and then I've never had another period and it's mm -hmm. been a year and a half. So technically I'm in, I am in menopause. Absolutely. I, I After 12 months of no periods, there you go. You're officially yeah. there. Yeah. And it's awesome. Uh -huh. I just, I don't, I'm looking for somebody to tell me like, okay, if you get on these, then your skin's going to look better or <laughs> strength training is going to be easier. So it sounds like I, I need to see a doctor. Yeah, I would. That's or where not. I would start. No, I would see, are you there and what do you need? And so progesterone is like the calming hormone. I take a pill at night. It's bioidentical. It helps me sleep. That's a beautiful benefit of it. And then I use an estrogen patch, which is also bioidentical and twice a week I switch it. It's on my belly. And estrogen protects your muscles and your brain. And there are a lot of benefits from estrogen as well. Estrogen gets a bad name, I think, like estrogen dominance and all this crazy stuff you hear on social media. But the balance between the estrogen and the progesterone helps you. I was very symptomatic, <laughs> Colleen. So I had to okay. do something. It was bad. Yeah. Before my hysterectomy, I'd only had one hot flash. And and then after my hysterectomy, like literally overnight with no sex hormones, I was a train wreck, crying, no libido. Yeah. Hot flashes. It was a mess. <laughs> what I really want to highlight something that you said is handing over our power to mm -hmm. doctors. Mm -hmm. Because I have gone to many doctors and every single doctor has a different opinion. And I find that the more I listen to my body mm -hmm. and even just hearing myself speak out loud, like, why would I go get on hormones if I'm not having any issues? And we get caught up in our head. We read the studies and this doctor says this, and then we just pinball back and forth. And ultimately we are the own, our, the own expert of our bodies. Totally. And that's really scary though, because I didn't go to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that the bubble, the truth bubbles up within us. If we just quiet the noise and we're like, yeah, I trust myself. That's one thing I've learned in the last four years of this menopause stuff is to learn how to trust myself. And yes, I do know the studies, but still the truth lies within me. It's like with anything, it, even if it was a medical study, I'm a unique human, <laughs> so it may or may not apply to me. So I really believe in, I used to work with a life coach and she would call it the comfy chair. And it's like sitting in a comfy chair, imagine yourself and letting that truth bubble up inside and then you're next up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big shift. Realizing that nobody has the answers. And I, my life coach taught me that there is no right answer. There's mm -hmm. the answer you make right. Mm -hmm. And that's a big shift because I've spent my whole life chasing answers yep. and 
being a brainiac and a nerd and this study and that study, and then still waking up hot mess, party of one, I need to do something. Talk to me for my listeners who are menopausal or perimenopausal, what would you say they need to know? What's the biggest mistakes people make? What are the quickest and easiest action steps they can take? Yeah, I love what you said about the cardio earlier and when you were speaking. So that's one of the myths that cardio is the only way to change your like physical body. And and that's really not true. I, there are four keys to midlife fitness. And the first one is to be an active human. There was a recent study. It was actually a meta, a meta analysis of a whole bunch of studies. And the myth is that our metabolism slows down in midlife. And what really is true is we slow down in midlife. And I, I'm, that's such a hard truth. Maybe we're not moving as much. Maybe we're spending more time watching Netflix. And so one of the key elements is to be an active human park further away, walk your dog. And it can also be part of your stress management plan, which is a big deal in midlife. Without that estrogen protecting us, it's like a protector of stress. We're more sensitive to stress at this time. And so being an active human's one. So that's easy. Move more. Just move more. If you like to track your steps, do it, but you don't have to. Just be active. The second one is strength training. (laughs) There's too many health benefits from strength training, and it's really investing into your future your future health, as well as your exercise for the day. And it's just twice a week. You can do that. The third key element is to rest and recover more. (laughs) So permission to rest within your workouts. So in the CrossFit world, there was a clock, there was a timer, you were competing against yourself and everyone else in the room. Give that away. If you're an Orange Theory person or a former triathlete or whatever it is, Get rid of that mindset that takes a minute. It's okay to rest between sets. It's okay to rest in a set. (laughs) It's okay to take an extra rest day between workouts. And this is another myth. Your Monday, Wednesday, Friday routine may be keeping you stuck. In midlife, especially in menopause, we need an extra day of recovery. So like for me, strength training is typically on a Monday and a Thursday. So I've added two days that I'm not strength training in there. So my muscles can actually grow, repair, get stronger, all the things. Yeah. And then the fa- then the fourth one is a dash of cardio. <laughs> so you get your cardio in there, but it's just like a a dash. It's like a the, dash. A dash. It's like your fun. Like tonight, I'm going on a hike with my husband after work. So I would consider that my cardio because there's some hills involved. Let cardio be your fun instead of eight zillion classes in the gym. <laughs> it sounds like you have a really well balanced life, and even though you are a pers- a trainer or you work with exercise, it doesn't sound like you're spending all of your time exercising. If I'm hearing you correct me where I'm wrong, (laughs) you work out strength training twice a week for 30 minutes, and then you do fun stuff for movement. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've never read a book where that was the description. (laughs) This is the formula. This is, I call it the midlife uh, muscle protocol. (laughs) Like it's really balanced. I feel like strength training and exercising is supposed to enhance your life. And throughout my 40s, it was my life. And maybe you can identify with that too. You Having an exercise identity, just like I'm a mom, I'm, I'm a CrossFitter, I was a teacher, like all of these things, all of these titles, that was really hard to give up. And now I just love my midlife. Like I exercise to have a better experience. <laughs> it's a whole different game. So I want to ask you to articulate, mm-hmm. how do you know you're doing enough 
and that this is working? Well, okay. So your sleep improves, yes or no. Your body composition is improving, yes or no. So how's my energy? Am I exhausted and on the couch for days? Yes or no. So you use your biofeedback, your own guide, like we were speaking about before, to understand. In general, like my general guideline is to do the least amount of exercise you can and eat the most you can and to get the and still hit your goals. <laughs> so when you say metrics, what are you measuring? Like one thing that I don't do because of past eating disorders, I don't weigh myself. Even when I go to the doctor, which I never do, but if I <laughs> did, I would turn around on the scale. That number in my head either gives me permission to overeat, like overthink, or I'm going to beat myself up because how am I 125 pounds? I think I'm supposed to be 122.5 pounds, but what if I'm 119 pounds? So I don't weigh myself. What metrics would you suggest in terms of how would I know that I'm making progress or at least maintaining? If you're looking for like improved sleep, that would be definitely something improved energy. That would be another metric. I don't believe in the scale. I believe that we're way more than the number on our scale. And so many women let that number determine if they're going to have a good day or a bad day. And that's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to do that. And also as a former CrossFitter, I don't judge myself on the weight that I lift the day that day because I'm allowing myself to say, okay, this is heavy for today. And this is all I need. This is what I need today based on my energy. So I would say for me, when my brain works, my energy's good. I don't have any weird cravings. Those are ways to measure like, oh, this is working for me. I just love it because again, just like we do with mental work, we are living from the inside out. So even though I'm not having the strength training program that I know I need to, because I just finished a triathlon. I was training for that all summer. And so now it's winter and I'm like, all right, lady, you need to get back (laughs) into doing some strength training because I can see last year I adopted this where I'm just doing 10 to 15 minutes and I don't even do total body. Some days I do. And then I give a longer break, but I'm just doing 10 to 15 minutes of doing some stuff and my muscles, I felt stronger. I looked Mm -hmm. better. And it's such a counterintuitive thing at 50 to Mm -hmm. not step on the scale, to not chart my workouts Like my body, if I feel anxious, I know I need to move more. Mm -hmm. And if I'm tired, I need to move less. And to literally live from the inside out, what does my body need today? And letting my body answer the question, (laughs) crazy brain. And what a beautiful gift to make the shift from exercising as we did in our 20s and 30s and 40s to look good and really exercising so that we feel well. And what I know, and maybe you can speak some to this, is that's how we rewire our dopamine. If we are exercising because we enjoy the way it feels in our body, then we don't ever have to worry about motivation, Uh right? Yeah. And I would say during my CrossFit days, it was definitely a dopamine hit. (laughs) Like it was so exciting. It was, yeah. And I felt so empowered, but I can still feel those things and enjoy a hike with my husband and not be exhausted for three days on the couch. There has to be a balance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So lifelong fitness becoming, Mm -hmm. I heard you say the word identity too, making movement 
being an active human mm-hmm. as part of your identity and dropping all of the other stuff, the CrossFit or even the yoga. I've been a yogi <laughs> and, and I get sick of it sometimes. And then I don't want to go and it's give yourself permission to uh-huh. switch lanes for a while. Exactly. I, I There has to be some joy in your fitness. So if you absolutely love yoga or Pilates or yeah, just sprinkle it in, but always check back to yourself. Is this helping me reach my goals or in better health? Really? That's where I am these days. Is it making my health better? Or am I exhausted and I feel anxious or all the negative side effects of sometimes when we go too far for ourselves? What are your favorite biggest bang for your buck? Exercise like strength training exercises. Please motivate me. Okay, <laughs> yep. I'm gonna go downstairs and work out okay. as soon as we're done. What am I? I love deadlifts. I love all forms of deadlifts. When I had my hysterectomy surgery, and you have to understand, at this point, I've been training for ten or twelve years. I was training others for a long time. At this point, after my surgery, when I returned, I think that was probably one of the first exercises I did. So it's core strength. So it's all from your shoulders all the way to your hips is your core. And then also your lower body. So I love that hinging deadlift movement. And there's a lot of varieties. You can have a wider stance for sumo or closer stance for like standard deadlifts. So they're amazing. <laughs> so I don't feel like I get much from deadlifts. I understand mechanics. Uh-huh. But deadlifts are, is that for your back? Because I know if I use too much weight, it blows out my glutes and I can't walk really well. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like, I don't know what it is that I'm doing and I can't see or feel mm-hmm. it. Like what is the deadlift designed and why do you like it? Why do you know that you want to do more of that? So when you're setting it up, uh, depending on if you have wide feet or narrow feet, it doesn't really matter. Either way is effective just slightly unlock your knees. And if you have dumbbells in your hand, you just want to go. So you're hinging, your back is nice and flat, right? So you're organized through your entire core and then you're hinging and you'll feel a nice, I don't know, stretch in your glutes and your hamstrings on the back of your body. And then the standing up part is your erectors in your back. So that helps you erect and makes you stand up straight. And so it's really working on the backside of your core too. I think we ignore the backside of our core. Yeah. And your front part of your core is what's keeping your spine in a nice straight line with your neck in line too. So yeah. (laughs) What else? That's definitely my favorite. And I love all things plank. (laughs) I think planks are amazing. I like shoulder taps when you're in a plank. I love taking a dumbbell and dragging it underneath me for a plank drag. So I like to move my planks this morning. I did plank rolls, which I haven't done in a minute from my elbows. So there's a lot of ways to move your plank. A push-up is a moving plank too. I like push-ups too. So anything plank, I would say. (laughs) Did you just get... Is this something that you just naturally like planks? Because like, h- how does one cultivate the motivation? To, like, <laughs> plank? Asking for a friend, because I'm not a big fan of planks <laughs> at all. Move your plank. It'll be better than just sitting there and holding it. <laughs> Move okay. it somehow. So when you're in a plank position, touching your, lifting your hand and touching your opposite shoulder is so amazing. And I really like dragging the weight underneath because I can feel it in my core. I think after my hysterectomy, like rebuilding core strength, that had to happen. That had to happen when they cut through all your muscles. That had to happen in order for me to return and be able to strength train at all. Like I had to figure that out. And so that's why I think when my love of planks became a thing. 
And you can yeah. change your plank by lifting your knees up and in, in a bear crawl position. But still a plank, but it's a different variation. And I like that because you can feel your muscles on the front of your leg, like from your hips to your knees fire. So it engages uh -huh. more of your lower body. Wow. Wow. I just can't get over the fact that you are a professional. This is what you do. And you're literally saying 30 minutes twice a week. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Less is <Okay>. more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It so really it, it takes some experimenting. If you're, I feel like this winter was especially hard on me. I don't know if it was extra cold or extra gray. I'm not sure, but I wasn't moving as much. And I would say in April, I started like waking up and okay, get back on the plan. You're not moving as much. And maybe my pants were a little tighter in my waist or whatever. And I was like, I know what it is. I'm violating the be an active human. <laughs> Just getting out uh, in nature and moving more is an example of that. Yeah. Thank you so much. I am definitely about to be kind to myself and just keep moving the needle. And that's what I teach. Just move the needle, like uh -huh. drop and do 10 pushups right now and then congratulate yourself. Count the wins. Setting the big goal of even doing what you're speaking of, two 30-minute sessions per week that's a lot. And I know I have to work up to that. So mm -hmm. I'm going to start with seven, okay. seven minutes. I love it. And then when I'm not sore, do it again. I just let my body, if I'm sore, tired, yeah. like you say, we're not working the strength training, but I really love, it does make it sound easy. And yet I also want to encourage anybody listening, start where you're at mm -hmm. and start small and count the wins and notice the Notice the improvement. How do you measure improvement? How quickly can somebody see results? What would those results look like besides just feeling <laughs> better? Like how long does it take to build muscle? Like this summer, I noticed turning 50, my gift, not the good kind, was I have bicep wrinkles. I'm like, what is going on? And then leg wrinkles, like the tops of my legs are wrinkling. Does strength training address wrinklage or is that just like welcome to 50? No, it totally does. So we're losing more muscle, especially during this time period. So being intentional with strength training during the perimenopause, menopause transition is essential. It takes effort and energy to build muscle. And that also includes eating. You have to eat enough, <laughs> which we didn't really even talk about, but that is also part of it. You have to fuel yourself. Yeah. So it totally addresses that. <laughs> Let's talk about eating uh -huh. because I would never say that I don't eat enough. Uh -huh. And yet I intermittent fast because it's 2023. We don't call that anorexia anymore. We call uh -huh. it intermittent fasting. So I don't usually eat before noon. Sometimes it's two or three o'clock. And I feel because I've read studies, I feel like that's healthy, mm. but sometimes I struggle with energy mm -hmm. and talk to me and roll me in eating more. <laughs> and because that's the fear, right? Like at 50, I don't want to get the round belly and mm -hmm. I don't want my jeans to be tight. And also if I overeat, then I feel like I have to go exercise more. Mm -hmm. And it's this whole cycle. I just, 
I would prefer to just eat less. Talk to me about eating. Yeah. So what you're explaining is diet culture. And so the 90s totally messed us up in a lot of ways that we're supposed to um, eat less and exercise more. And that's the formula to have the body that we want and have the energy that we want. And that's really an absolute myth. And I'll go back to the hormones. So without our estrogen is very protective of our stress, our buffer, our ability, our bandwidth of stress. Without it, we don't have that. And so I'm not a fan of fasted workouts. I hate to tell you that. Fasted right. workouts may be too stressful on the system, uh, especially if it's like a crazy cardio workout. So if you're doing crazy cardio on a fasted metabolism, your body's, what is she doing? I'm going to go into survival mode. And so that's a problem. <laughs> I wanted to also say you asked about building muscles. So it's very interesting when we start strength training. The first thing that responds is our central nervous system. So our central nervous system actually gets, we actually get stronger before we actually see it in the mirror. So that's gonna happen first. You're gonna feel stronger, you're gonna be able to lift more, you're gonna have more confidence, all these beautiful things happen, and then it will change in the mirror. So in that process, when you're feeling it, but you're not seeing it, that's when you gotta hang on <laughs> and keep do and keep showing up for yourself and understanding that the muscle will change. That just takes longer. And can you at all put a window on that. I don't exercise. Somebody who doesn't exercise at no. all and is like, all right, crazy ladies, I'll do 15 <laughs> minutes twice a week and starts. Like, are we taught? I remember when I was personal training, it was like five weeks mm -hmm. of where before you start to build out muscle fibers, uh -huh. it takes five weeks to engage all the ones you already have. Right. So, can you give it all a scope? Just so somebody knows yeah, how let, long to on. Yeah, let's say two to three months. Let's give yourself two oh. to three months. But your nervous oh. system is going to respond first. All the stuff that's happening on the inside that you can't see, but you notice, oh, I have more confidence. Oh, I'm standing up straighter. My posture's improved. Oh, look, that weight isn't as heavy as it used to be. Like those things are going to happen first, and then you'll see it in the mirror second. So you got to hang on <laughs> in the middle part. <laughs> Talk to me about what you mean about the nervous system. Like I always think the nervous system is cortisol and adrenaline and being in a state of calm versus fight or flight. Uh -huh. What do you mean when you say the nervous system responds first? Your body, your, your coordination is going to improve that okay. part of you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Coordination, mm -hmm. confidence, posture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to stand up straight. Like, <laughs> right. I sit at my desk so long and my daughter will come in and she, one time she took a picture and she said, mom, look. And I was sitting there like a hunched yep. over old lady staring at me. And I was like, oh, so I immediately ordered one of those posture corrections yeah. hanging in my closet doing a lot of good. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah. Shoulders over your uh, ears, over your shoulders, over your hips, over Shit. your heels. Yeah. When yeah. I started strength training at CrossFit 41, the divorce and all, all that, I was like hunched over and <laughs> my right shoulder was up to my ear and I was using it to breathe. I think I, yeah. So <laughs> another Can you talk at all about pain. Just in general, sometimes life just hurts. I don't even know yeah. what that's about. I get, I don't know if it's inflammation. Do you find that, and I think in the past I have exercised too much now that I'm, mm -hmm. now that we're talking about it to where I am exercising regularly, but it hurts. Like not when I exercise, it feels good, but in general, I just notice that I'm, that yeah, I'm more tired and, or pain, just pain in general. Yeah. I would say use it or lose it. It's one of those things. The less you move, the more sore you feel, the less you move, the less muscle you have, 
the less you move, the less balance you have. So there's a, there's some elements of fitness, I would say, that happen. And when we're in this midlife stage, it's use it or lose it kind of situation. So I would, you know, question, are you going too far? Are you pushing yourself too far? Are you using the guideline that the last few reps are challenging or using the heaviest weight you can for today? Making sure you're using those guidelines. And then are you talking about like achy joints or sore muscles? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So many women Mm -hmm. at our age, there's a touch of the fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. and we feel like we have chronic fatigue. And I go in and out of feeling like a rock star Uh and then other times feeling like I'm dragging my ass behind a Mack truck. (laughs) And so sometimes when I feel like I'm making a connection right now that I'm probably not eating enough and exercising too much. Uh And then that reduces my motivation to keep going even subconsciously. Right. Right. You did say use it or lose it. Mm -hmm. And I do want to pause with that. Okay. And just build it out Uh in the, you can lose it, but you can get it back. Oh, totally. You have to be intentional. That's the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's, you do lose it, but like for me, I feel like I've lost maybe where I was last spring when I switched to Mm -hmm. training triathlon, but I'm going to go get it back. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that's a very common, I just want to say that's a very common experience. I know people in my world who have trained for a triathlete, a triathlon or something and have gained 10 pounds. And you're like, how in the world can I gain 10 pounds when I'm doing all this exercise? And again, it's the cortisol and the estrogen thing. It is very possible that when you're exercising and you've lost your estrogen, it could tip the scale, for example, and you could lose muscle mass. But if that's what you want to do and you go into it knowing that this is a possibility, but I'll just rebuild my muscle afterwards, that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that truly inspires me about you is your Instagram feed because (laughs) you're hilarious. And every time I see a reel with you, I literally stop and do something. Like you (laughs) are very motivating and inspiring. So can you tell my audience, like how to find you, especially on Instagram, but then also what you do and how you work with women. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Hey Mama Cam on Instagram. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and they're the same name. I have a podcast. It's called the Midlife Mamas and I have a podcast partner. Her name's Amelia. And we chat about all the midlife things. Just two girlfriends chatting about midlife. (laughs) Sometimes it's about fitness and sometimes it's not. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I tuned in after I met you and there's hormones and relationships Mm -hmm. and exercise. I have a Jumpstart Academy. It's a seven-day thing to introduce you to how I strength train and how I think about midlife exercise. And that's free. And that you can be find on my website, which is camoiler.com. It's at the very top. I will put links to all of that awesome. in the show notes. Yeah. I'm for sure motivated and yeah. I I want what you have when they say find somebody that has what you want and <laughs> them how they got it. And so I appreciate you taking the time to break this down and help us realize how much of our mindset that we've been carrying from the 80s, fat free and running a marathon. How's that working for you? Right. just not. Yeah. It's like the definition of insanity, right? We keep doing it. We go back, we look down and we're like, I don't like what I see. So I'm just going to eat less and exercise more. And it doesn't work. (laughs) Oh my God. You just fucking nailed it. I know. (laughs) Yeah. do more of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is it working or not? Just use your own guide. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been a joy. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like this episode, please subscribe on the homepage of Recover with Colleen. Let the algorithm know that you are supporting the show so that the algorithm shows the show to people who are looking for content like mine. And or share the episode with a friend or on your social so that people can find me. And finally, if you're inspired by the content you hear on the show and you are interested in working with me and joining other women who are overcoming the idea that we can't control ourselves with alcohol and stepping into a completely new identity, you know, that takes a lot of work. It doesn't just happen overnight. And I can help you quit drinking, going from day one, get through detox and withdrawals and all that, and move into an accelerated recovery so that you don't have to spend one year or 18 months or three years like I did trying to figure all of this stuff out. You know, in the next chapter, I teach self-directed neuroplasticity and growth mindset and nervous system regulation, all the topics we talk about on this podcast. My clients refer to my program as boot camp for your brain, because if you want to change the way you drink, you have to change the way you think, and you need a roadmap for that. And my program is not about alcohol. The goal for you is not to get sober. In fact, I will teach you why pursuing happiness instead of sobriety is actually how you reclaim your power and your passion so that you can step into a greater purpose and just focus on bigger and better things in your life. So if you want to hear more about my program or just learn the steps that you need to take, so maybe you can figure it out on your own, sign up for my free training on how to reclaim your power over alcohol. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. I also have a quiz where if you are just curious as to how powerful your beliefs are about yourself, addiction, alcohol, recovery, sobriety, all of that, how powerful those beliefs are versus the actual, you know, biology of addiction. I also have a link for you to take my nine question quiz and get access to the research that can really shift your perspective of what it is you're going through and what it's going to take to move beyond it. So I will put links to both my free training as well as the quiz in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for listening.